Welcome into the Bad Fan Podcast. I am your host, Cole Carter, and we are back. And we're glad to have you tuned in with us today. It is May 24th, 2022. And uh, welcome along to those of you on Spotify listening to us today. We're geared up and ready for kickoff um, here on the Bad Fan Podcast. If, if you are viewing this on YouTube, then go ahead and leave a like for today's episode. And uh, to those of you who are new around here, we would love it if you would be subscribed to the channel. Uh, becoming a bad fan is easy and made better by clicking the bell below this video to get notifications for all new videos. That way you're always connected to all things bad fan. Well, uh, I'm glad to have you all in here today. I'm going to bring in my co-host Brandon Patesnick to help get this thing along. Um, it's going to be a great day today, uh, but I wanted to get you guys in to talk about a little bit. You know, we've been gone for a little over two weeks. Um, we had an incident. Brandon, uh, you had a case of the vid i did Um, you feeling better now yeah much better now um terrible timing i was ready to do the podcast and then monday hit i was sick (laughs) just cut it i there's no way it was gonna gonna be good but i'm i'm healthy i'm feeling great all of you who are wondering uh (laughs) and uh yeah and then right after that so brandon got the vid um we had some just run-ins with life and then i headed off to europe for a little over a week so just had a lot going on in our lives um but we're back on things here at the bad band to get you guys caught up on everything that we've missed um today's gonna be a nice refreshing premier league roundup of the season the 2021-22 premier league season just ended this past week and it was an amazing season coming down literally to the wire down to the last minutes of the season um in tremendous fashion but um we did go to Nashville this past weekend. Uh, we had a good time. We went to go watch the Atlanta United Nashville game. It was a bit crazy, um, a bit topsy turvy. Um, the game had an over three hour rain delay. We didn't get to finish, but hey, Atlanta United got the draw 2 2. A good result for the Five Stripes. Um, good result. Not good news, though, having Andrew Gutman now out six to eight weeks with an injury. And Lenny and I just keeps grabbing that injury bug. And I, yeah, but, it, you know, that's not what matters. I got to see you for the first time in a while. I know. It was good. I don't know. When when was the last time I saw you? Was it when Man. you were up here in Columbus after your it last was. London trip? I think back in January, mate. <laughs> maybe, maybe I saw you on my birthday in March. I think I was I in Atlanta. I did see you for your birthday. I did see you for your birthday. Okay. Well, but, hey, it was good to have you It's far between together. now. So I, I know. It's it nice. Is. It was nice to see you this weekend. And this Steve. Po- I got to see this, Steve. Too. This podcast serves as a way to keep up and to see face to face. But hey, it's not as good as in person. But no. um, to you guys, listeners and viewers, we're just glad to have you guys joining in with us today as well. After our hiatus, um, it's going to be a good episode. And we're going to get things started here uh, just talking about how Manchester City are back to back Premier League champions. And I think a lot of pundits at the beginning of the season maybe didn't see this one happening. Uh, they could have potentially seen maybe Chelsea, maybe a Manchester United. Uh, but were the people really like thinking Manchester City could repeat, Brandon? Uh, for sure. I mean, on paper, they have the most well-rounded team, especially after a $100 million transfer. Uh, for Jack Grealish, who didn't really feature a whole lot. Uh, I shouldn't say he didn't feature. He did play a good amount, but it's just hard to make a name for yourself in in a team like Manchester City. But everyone is so good. Um, Again, I'll say it again. 
uh, it, they're very machine-like. Everybody just they're – they're a cog in this massive Manchester City wheel, this Pep Guardiola wheel. And um, so I, I don't know if they were favorites. I assume they were. Um, but I was really expecting things from Chelsea at the beginning of the season. I don't remember if you, if you remember us talking about that. But coming off of a Champions League win, um, some good transfers during the summer, I thought. I mean – I thought they might be able to to take it to Liverpool and City this year, but it didn't really end up happening. Yeah, it didn't. And the table ended up looking a little bit like this. So you had Manchester City uh, finishing just one point above Liverpool. Um, I mean, literally, we told you guys, this thing came down to the wire. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool, they were trying to score as many goals as they could against Wolves. They were down early, came back. I think they won the game 3-2, to two, if I remember correctly. Um, and then Manchester City... Going against up the villains, Aston Villa, your team, Brandon. <laughs> we look good. And, we look good for like oh, 60 man. minutes, 70 minutes. It was uh. such a, a great watch. And we thought that they had it in the bag. They were up 2-0 at the 60th minute. And within less than seven minutes apiece, Man City scored all three goals that they needed to secure their title. It was a crazy game. It was a crazy game. But Philip Coutinho's goal was absolutely beautiful. Uh, maybe the best goal of the day. Uh, I don't know. But – yeah, crazy fashion to lose. I expected to lose. Like, there's no way we were going to hold out Manchester City once they got their steam rolling. Like, eh, they're just they're just so good. They're just so good. So good for them. Um, so yeah, they beat out Liverpool. Um, Liverpool coming out in great form, but just not enough at the end of the day. Chelsea coming in third. Um, a solid season for them. I still think a disappointing season, as we said, coming off the Champions League and also some big signings. Um, but falling short of their expectations, um, not even within 15 points of the other teams. And then Tottenham sneaking in to the top four after a bit of a whirlwind of a season. We'll probably touch on that a bit, but starting out with Nuno Espirito Nunes, um, or no, Santos, sorry, getting his last name, Nuno Espirito Santos, um, and sacking him after only 11 games and Antonio Conte coming in and salvaging Tottenham's season to get Champions League in the top four, which pushed Arsenal down to fifth. They'll be playing Europa League football after a huge North London derby. Um, Where it's uh, not so good. good, But also not so So bad. bad. (laughs) Um, And I think the team that perhaps underachieved the most this season, Manchester United, uh, coming and signing Cristiano Ronaldo, already coming off a great season last year with Bruno Fernandes, they... (laughs) sacked their manager and I think late November, early December, all I go only Solskjaer not making it through the season. So man, you really the flop of the season. Do you agree? Yeah, it was just really weird. I will also say, I wanted to mention Chelsea, they're all that stuff with their, their owner. It's like for them to finish third still. And you know, it's, I, I, I will give credit to them for that. Um, I think they underperformed definitely, but there was a a lot of stuff going on in that club this season. <laughs> um, so they'll be playing Champions League football next year. I think that's really all they care about. Um, we will see what happens going forward uh, with the new owners, if that actually officially goes through. If it hasn't already, I don't think it has. Um, so... Yeah, but man, you definitely, you know, they still they still got Europa League, which is good. I know 
they're known for their the trophies and playing Champions League and being on this, but they haven't really been at that level. Um, and I'm sure they were hoping to get there this year, but terrible team management. Um, I don't think Ralph Ragnick's a very good coach, but also like just the Man U owners, it's it's a it's a crap show over there. Um, but when the season starts anew next year, I'm sure the hype will be up with Ten Hag coming in. Uh, he's already been making some some headliners, so we'll see we'll see what he has to say about that. I will also say Villa, I think, severely underperformed this year. Um, Steven Gerrard did not bring this team up to a higher level than where Dean Smith uh, would have brought them, uh, in my opinion. Um, but I guess we'll never know. So. I guess as a Villa fan, I'll be biased here and just put my little two cents in. I'm hoping we'll have a good transfer window, which we already have. We've already started. <laughs> um, yeah. We officially signed Coutinho, and we signed this guy named – I think he's a kid. He's like 23 um, – named Bubakar Samara um, from Marseille, who's like the next – holding midfielder for France, basically. <laughs> um, so very, very exciting stuff on the villain. But I think they really under, underperformed this year. Not so bad. Uh, oh, can I? Everton. Sorry. Everton is the worst, is the most underperforming team. Yeah, I mean, we'll Everton, get to them. We've, yeah, we've talked to that um, many times over the season, how this is a club that's, you know, one of the biggest in England. And the fact that looking at this table, they finished 16th, just shows a fall of grace this season. Um, certainly underperforming, um, but they survive. They do survive. The three teams that do get sent down to the championship are Norwich City. Uh, no surprise there. They've been playing ping pong between the Premier League and championship. Watford, a similar story as well. Those two teams um, just not doing enough to succeed in the Premier League for more than a season and falling back down to championship. But a team that's been in the Premier League for, I think, close to a decade or more is Burnley, and they finally just don't do enough in the season. They fired Sean Deitch, um, I think, back in March. And uh, Mike Jackson just not being able to do enough to salvage Burnley's season. And they finally get sent down to the championship themselves, uh, which means Leeds United, the team that was down for 17 years, gets another shot at the Premier League and will look to expand upon their success in the Premier League under Jesse Marsh, the American, who took over after... Um, What's his name? Uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Yes, Bielsa, who brought up uh, Leeds to the championship, uh, made his way to the Premier League, left his mark for sure, uh, but just wasn't uh, getting the results that he needed um, in the Premier League. So Jesse Marsh does the job, helps keep them up, and um, Frank Lampard doing the same with Everton, just scratching away. It was not pretty (laughs) in the least bit, uh, but they get – four points above the relegation line and stay up for another season in the Premier League, extending their streak of over 60 years to stay in the Premier League. But really just a season that um, I think at the end of the day was just headlined by Liverpool and Manchester City. Their title race that seemingly is expected at this point, um, just two teams that have such incredible star players, um, teams that are expected to go the way each and every year. Um, And they are full of players that will round up some awards late in the season, which we are going to give a look at our awards of what we would hand out for players of the year, um, goalkeepers, all of us um, rounded up in one episode. So we'll start with the player of the season, Brandon. And I want to hear your thoughts of who you thought would dominate the league this past season, 
the ones that would deserve some love. Um, we'll start with you, the player of the season and the Premier League. You know, it's it's probably the three best players in the Premier League, arguably, um, and pretty much every year, to be honest. I mean, these three guys that we've, we're going to note here are absolutely phenomenal. And one of them doesn't get talked about enough, um, ever. And he's absolutely world-class. Um, and I'll start with him. It's Youngman's son from Tottenham. He is the Premier League's player of the year. Um, 23 goals, seven assists in 35 matches. Um, sharing the golden boot this year with Mo Salah um, on a Tottenham team that took a long time to get to shift in the gear. Um, one, just to get to the, the golden boot. It's absolutely amazing. But he and obviously Harry Kane, I mean, the whole team, they really came together towards the end of the season and made a very large push for top four, and they got it. And he is not the sole reason, but he is probably the biggest reason um, they got that fourth spot. Yeah, I mean, like we said, Tottenham had a crazy season starting under Nuno, getting to November. Uh, <laughs> and the most laughable game of the season, you had El Sakiko, you know, the one that whoever won the game was going to keep their manager, whoever lost the game was going to lose their manager between Solskjaer and Nuno. Tottenham <laughs> lost to Man U. Nuno gets fired, and people didn't know what to expect in response. And Antonio Conte comes in and revitalizes this Tottenham team, and Hyungman's son is at the centerpiece of that. Uh, coming into 2022, he had only scored eight, I think, of his 23 goals. And so 2022, he scores 15 goals to finish out the season, which, like we said, was that push to get Tottenham into Champions League and the top four. Um, and what's fascinating, I think, is stupid and crazy is that in the Premier League uh, Player of the Season award, he wasn't even in the shortlist. Really? Uh, nominated for it, which is, I think, insane. You had Conor Gallagher in the Player of the Season nomination, <laughs> not even Youngman's son. So just to show, I think, how either biased it is, the fact that Sonny is a South Korean Asian player that maybe he's overlooked uh, more than an Englishman um, or just whatever it is. But yeah, underrated, but not for us. I think Sonny has to be the player of the season. Kevin De Bruyne is class, Mo Salah is class, but Sonny, the fact that he helped bring this Tottenham team to the top four is pretty incredible. Doing with the right foot, the left foot, um, doing it all through the season is pretty incredible to me. Um, yeah, I mentioned. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna mention Salah's statistics a little bit. And obviously, it doesn't always come down to statistics. Like I said, Youngman's son was really that sole. He was one of the main drives to get Tottenham up there. But Salah was really consistent this year um, throughout the whole season. I'd say with 23 goals, 14 assists. Um, they score a lot. They play a style of football that you know allows these very very skilled players to put up these high numbers. Um, but you still have to do it. And Mo Salah was, was he Ballon d'Or this year? Maybe I, who knows? Um, I'm but, ready to see a new face win the Ballon d'Or. I'll tell you that. And I really think it, it could be him this year. Him or um, Robert Lewandowski, I think could both either take the award. Yeah, very true. Um, but then, yeah, uh, De Bruyne, I think he's, he's my favorite player in the world. Um, 15 goals, eight assists in 30 matches. Um, like I sort of mentioned earlier, it's really hard to stand out uh, in that Man City team. And at some points, he was just like he, – he almost had a different bite to him this year. He was like driving and like – and he's always done that. But like 
he wanted to score goals. He wanted to make things happen more than normal. It seemed like I think coming off the back of that Champions League loss, you you sort of saw that he yeah. sort of just like shifted into a different gear. Had, this that, last had part. that four goal performance. Absolutely amazing. Uh, I Absolutely. do agree. I think I think Kevin is the best player in the world. Just like all around, I think he adds the most to a team. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you've had Messi and Ronaldo for years that can control the game and score amazing goals. But I think Kevin just like is the biggest playmaker, difference maker. Um, the fact that he can control a midfield, hold that position, um, but he can also get forward and score amazing goals. I think his balls into the box, I think, are the best in the world. I think people say Trent Alexander Arnold can put in a great ball, but yeah, both them. Kevin Kevin's ability to send the ball in just right to someone's head is pretty incredible. Um, so his distribution, his playmaking ability, his shot from outside the box is pretty incredible. I think he's got to be the most like biggest yeah. difference maker, which I could easily see why he won the official Premier League player of the season. Um, but for me, I agree. Youngman's son has to be the player of the season. Uh, yeah, that's my vote. Year. Sonny is my vote for sure. Uh, but those two, those two other guys, you can't really be mad about it, I don't think. Hey, Sonny, baby. <laughs> um, well, there's the player of the season and there's the young player of the season. Um, and like you said, there's guys that are hard to stick out on the Man City team, but one of them that is on the younger side is Phil Foden. Um, he came in, played 28 games this season, 62% of his minutes, had nine goals, five assists, and I think he showed that you have to be under 21 at the start of the season, so it's a bit of a specific category, but um, I think, and you and I probably agree, that he had to have been the guy under 21 that stuck out the most, had the biggest impact, uh, made a name for himself, helped lead Manchester City, to that back-to-back title. Um, do you think he's the one that's deserving of the title for this one? Yeah, and I, I think I said this on the previous podcast. Like, he's the best young player in the world for sure. Um, the way he can carry the ball, the way his just skill, it's just easy to him. I mean, I'm, I don't know if I've ever seen a player at that age, like me watching, I'm just like, he has – almost everything. <laughs> I don't know. Like he's just so good. He's quick too. Like he can play multiple positions. He's man. He's almost like a uh, Pep's like creation. Like <laughs> Pep's Frankenstein. Almost like Pep has brought him from 16, the age of 16 and like just created this beast of a player. And it's really, it's really fun to watch him play. Um, yeah. I'd, I'd say Philly for that one. Phil, Phil, Phil. Who would be, if it wasn't Phil, who would be the one that you would look at that could be deserving of the award, but maybe just not as much as Phil? Yeah, and um, I wouldn't be surprised if people would vote for this guy. And it's Bakayo Saka out of Arsenal. Again, it, if you follow the Premier League at all, Arsenal probably has the best um, academy to first team um, route in the Premier League. They do a very, very good job of getting their youth players ready to play at such a high level. Um, and this is this is the perfect example. I mean, he plays for the national team, and he has been. He was in the World Cup. You know, the Euros. I don't know if he was on the World Cup team, but he was at the Euros. And um, this, this – he's so good. He's only 21, too. Uh, but he played all 38 games, too. Think about the endurance. Like He, he played every single game. And he played 88% of the minutes for Arsenal. Yeah. Like he was almost on the field the whole entire time. 
in the Premier League. And hey, well, uh, well, it's easy when your team doesn't play in Europe because they're so bad they don't even make it. But so it, it's easier to play 38 games instead of more than that. But true. To be fair, right, right, right. No, but uh, uh, 11 goals, seven assists. So stat line is better than Phil Foden. Um, but again, like team's play style like obviously allows for soccer to stand out more than Phil. So anywho, um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because soccer has to has to be mentioned. What a, what a player he is. And it sort of sucks that they're both English and none of them are, are American. <laughs> I wish Ocean yeah. America was on this list. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, the crazy thing is too is that we'll be watching these two for a long time. Yes. And the fact that they're showing such ability at young ages will be fun to watch um i've said this before you know as a tottenham fan it's i want to see in some ways like these arsenal guys you know your your rivals to be good because you want those games to matter even more um Mm -hmm. you want to be able to beat good teams beat good players so you know the fact that Saka is a high performer means it feels even better when we beat them (laughs) no uh so you know just just throwing out there but yeah i would say (laughs) phil phone young player this season as well we're agreeing on that one I think we're probably going to agree on this one. Uh, the Golden Gloves, the keeper of the season in the Premier League. Uh, this team, like we said, underperformed, and their defense severely underperformed. I think they were the reason why this team fell all the way they did in the table. And I think we'll say that David De Gea deserves the keeper gloves of this season for Manchester United. Uh, this guy salvaged what Man U even had in their season. Uh, just his ability to save their games. I think he had... Uh, some of the most saves of the Premier League in the season. Um, not getting as many clean sheets, but just the fact that the saves he's able to make, um, his ability to be like a cat in the air and just be so nimble. His reaction saves, I think, are second to none. Um, I think he probably deserves the Golden Gloves this season. Would you agree? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you want to say, oh, Ederson, oh, whatever, it's just like, that's boring. This David De Gea was the best keeper this season. Um, I mean, one-on-one saves that I saw, goals that should have been goals and would have been a goal if any other keeper was in, in the in the cage, um, yeah. other than David De Gea. I mean, him and and I've said this before, him and Ronaldo, like this, these at the top of the field, the last person on the field, uh, just carrying Manchester United into Europa League. Um, you know, David De Gea was in really good form what was it like four years ago and then had a year where he like dropped off and it was like dean henderson was about to start um who's also a good keeper um but yeah david de gea is showing his his true class this year um whether he really wanted to or not <laughs> he was asked to by his defense um and slabhead harry Maguire. so yeah david de gea i think i might have talked too long on that one but yeah david de gea <laughs> Yeah, his, his ride at Man U has been interesting, to say the least. But we'll give him the Golden Gloves and the manager of the season. This is, again, this could be many a people could get the manager of the season. You could have the Pep and Klopp argument, the two teams at the top. Uh, Pep looking to get the uh, treble after not getting the quadruple on the Premier League. He still has some chance at some hardware in the Champions League final against Real Madrid in the upcoming weekend. <laughs> you said Pep, you meant Klopp. Klopp and um, Pep will probably never get the man, uh, the Champions League trophy, so um, he'll never be able to win a quad. Um, but <laughs> some other coaches, uh, what are some names that you could throw around for a manager of the season, Brandon? I 
probably if I was, I mean, if I was voting, um, I'd probably say Eddie Howe at Newcastle would probably get my vote. Um, yeah, Pepin Klopp are obviously great. I think Tuchel's a great coach, but just what what the season has brought and like the turnaround. I mean, Eddie Howe has turned that Newcastle team around, um, and they finished, I think, 11th from what I just saw. So um, Eddie Howe would get my vote, but then there's Arteta at Arsenal. Um, I think they have the youngest squad in the Premier League, and for them to finish almost in a Champions League spot, they finished in a Europa League spot. Um, you know, now he can finally test his wits in the Europa League against really good opponents, you know, playing multiple games a week. We will see what that turns into, but uh, I'll clap my hands for Arteta there. And uh, I'll let you talk about uh, Antonio Conte. Well, <laughs> you know, Antonio Conte turned Tottenham season around. Uh, yeah, a team definitely. that was close to the bottom half of the table when he took over. Um, a club that needed a restart. A club that needed someone to you know, give them a kick in the butt and give them some motivation to work their way back into the Champions League football and give Harry Kane a reason to stay at Tottenham. Um, he was trying to force his move to Manchester City last summer. That fell through. Um, he wasn't happy. He was sort of, you know, like, this is sort of it if you're going to give me Nuno. Um, Nuno does not get the job done. Antonio Conte comes in and does a great job. And really, you know, I would love to give him the Manager of the Season award, but now that I think about it, you know, he wasn't there a full season, and I think he would say, you know, the job isn't done. He wants to go and he wants to win a title in the Premier League. So hopefully he'll be getting for it next season. Um, if I had to choose, you know, you think about Grand Potter getting his best finish with Brighton. He's mm-hmm. a good shout. Um, yeah, this is a, a weird Brighton team where I think they had a terrible home record this season. I think they had one of their worst home records, but mm-hmm. managed to do pretty well, I think, on the road and had one of their best finishes in the Premier League. So maybe they can make some moves um to improve that side they're obviously not going to get a lot of funds um but maybe they can do a little bit to improve maybe find their way into european football next season maybe sneak into the conference league that'd be a team to keep an eye out on uh, grand potter's a great manager um yeah if, if he stays at brighton for the future um he could maybe make them into a household name in the premier league and um they may not go down for a long time if that's the case so i think mm-hmm. maybe not manage the year i do think at this point, I think Klopp probably deserves it. Just his ability to have won FA Cup, have won the Carabao Cup. Um, I mean, incredible in the Premier League. It's hard mm-hmm. to, you know, I saw a stat how Sir Alex Ferguson never got, I think, above 91 points or like 89 points in a season. And he won, what, like a dozen yeah, Premier League titles or whatever it is. <laughs> and then you have... Jurgen Klopp, who in his four or five seasons has had like 91 points or more every year. So really an amazing manager. I think if I'm just going to be honest, I would just give it to him. I think Liverpool's success has um, flourished under his management. And I think it's not the Premier League winning season they had in the lockdown, but this is probably the best season I think Liverpool has had. And I think he deserves my manager of the year award. Yeah. And I mean, you can make an argument for Pep too. Uh, They played all year without a striker. Um, I mean, Gabriel Jesus came in like ultimately, and I guess was their striker, but they're playing like this hybrid where he like played striker, but was also on the wing. Like, um, I don't know, very tactical as Pep always is, but I don't know. Crazy that they won the league with, (laughs) 
Town playing uh, really, really two a striker. Two years in a row, <laughs> in a row they've done this. I don't, you know, I don't know. And now they have Holland, so <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll preview Ooh. that. We'll probably talk about that in another episode. But um, yeah, they're they continue to get better and better. So, yeah. My goodness. Uh, well, I think the thing that people are always looking forward to in the summer is the summer transfer window. Yes. And I feel like last season was a crazy summer. A lot of uncertainty, you know, you're still coming out of the pandemic, which we talked or heard a lot about, you know, what funds are available to these teams. A lot of teams were still in the red coming out of the pandemic, not making any money off of ticket sales and all that thing because fans just weren't allowed in full quite yet. Um, But some big names did make moves um, and eventually we got to see them play. And now that we finished the season, who would be your summer of 2021 signing of the season? I think it has to be Cristiano Ronaldo for Man U. Um, again, a weird one to begin with because of what was – for those of you who don't know, Man City was supposedly going to sign him. And because Manchester United didn't want that to happen, they signed Ronaldo. <laughs> um, that's the rumor at least. Um, so – take that with a grain of salt but he i think we all wanted this to happen as fans just to see him back to see if he could do it um see him back in that the red devils uniform and good lord was he good i mean what how many goals did he end up with do you know i think he finished, I think he finished with 18 goals so i think he finished third right yeah yep. third in the golden boot race behind a tied golden boot race so I mean, dude, he did everything he was – and more, I think. I think he exceeded my expectations, to be honest, um, and probably a lot of people's. Um, so, yeah, him and De Gea carrying Man U into the Europa League, yeah, he's definitely my best summer signing. And what's crazy is – we've said this too. I just don't understand the pundit's view of him. I, acting, I like, acting like he was worthless, washed up, like – uncapable of doing anything and this man goes and finishes third in the boot, golden boot race like <laughs> he's ronaldo above harry kane <laughs> yeah what did, like what did you want from him he was never the one failing his team he was the one that was carrying his team with the hey like we've said and it was his defense it was the rest of his team that was failing him it was never ronaldo he was the one that was difference maker the playmaker the one that would score bangers <laughs> and I had never understood the slander and dragging him through the mud because I also thought he was going to be an incredible signing for Man U. But for me, um, sticking with Tottenham here, I think Tottenham made a fantastic signing. Getting a player from Italy and Christian Romero, a Rolls Royce defender who just brought so much tenacity to Tottenham. A team mm-hmm. that had in the back, you had Yammer Tongan and Toby Alderweireld for years, a staple um, that led Tottenham to that Champions League final in 18 and 19. And they had to move on. Those two guys were getting older. Um, the Belgian nationals just weren't the same pairing that they were. So they had to move on from those two guys. And they had to find replacements. And Christian Romero had an outstanding year in Italy with Atalanta. And Tottenham secured the funds. Got the man for $40 million. Which, when you start thinking about Harry Maguire going for 80, you start thinking about these big players and defenders going for big money, getting this guy for only $40 million. He's still young. I think he's like 23, perhaps. 
Wow. And just put in some great performances in some of the biggest games. Um, I think about like Manchester City, his performances there, just his ability to be aggressive, make clean tackles, aggressive hard tackles, um, and also his ability to um, be a distributor, much like Toby Otterbrell used to do like some ping passes up front, getting the ball to Harry Kane and to the attackers. So for mm. me, I think he's got to be that best summer signing just for his value, what he adds to the team, and his uh, youth, which will be something that Tottenham fans like myself will be happy to see for years down the road. Uh, but the summer window isn't the only one that is available for new players to come in. Uh, January is the chance for teams that need that final push. Just one more player to get them through the season that are pushing for their goals. And this season, I think, probably was one of the best January transfer windows ever. Uh, a lot of teams talk about how it's hard to do business in January. It's not mm -hmm. easy. You have expiring contracts. Uh, it's just shorter time window to get a deal done. Uh, you're pressing to get a deal done because you you want to get those results as soon as possible. So it's not easy. It's not easy to get those guys in on January. But uh, I think we have four names that stand out the most of what happened in January. I think the most obvious one for a lot of people, I think, is actually Luis Diaz. Uh, the signing that came to Liverpool, I think, did he come from Portugal? Yeah, I want to, I don't know if it was Porto or... I think it might have been Porto. Um, anyways, he comes in for Portugal. Uh, Tottenham were actually the ones that were in on him first. The mm. rumors were pointing to Tottenham the whole time. And very late in the transfer process, Liverpool swoops in and snags him up. And he became a huge difference maker for Liverpool's season in all competitions, whether it be yeah. FA Cup, Carabao Cup, Champions League, and even in the Premier League. Luis Diaz in the Premier League finished with four goals and three assists. Um, was really just a fiery spark for Liverpool, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really was. I mean, he's phenomenal coming in and doing, you know, just picking up all the tactics that Klopp wanted him to do. I mean, it it's not easy to just hop right into a team. And then he he was taking over starting time. Um, I, I think it was a phenomenal signing by them. Um, and there's, you know, uncertainty about the future of Liverpool's attacking line, but I think you're looking at the future of their attacking line with Luis Diaz and Jota. And um, yeah, man, they, it, Liverpool again doing great business, um, getting him through the door in January. And, he, you know, they still have a, a trophy to play for this upcoming weekend. So, yes, they do. I'm sure he'll be wanting to play a role in that game. Oh, I could only imagine so. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not trying to be biased, I'm just being factual here. Um, but another great January signing was Dejan Kulisevsky coming in from Juventus. Uh, yeah. This kid from Juventus, I mean, he if he had, had a full season, I think he could have been deserving of the Young Player of the Year yeah. award. Um, man, just since his time in January, he finished the season with five goals and eight assists. <laughs> that is incredible. Absolutely. No, he is the, the best January signing. Uh, five goals, eight assists. Um, he's young. It's It's insane. Is it on? Is it a permanent deal? Yeah. It's so yes. Um, him and Christian Romero had uh, loan deals with obligation to buy at the end of the season. Mm. So both of those are going to be finalized, and for a combined sixty million dollars, those two <laughs> players will be Tottenham players for the rest of their contracts. Isn't that insane? That, that is, is such good business. That, that's very good business. Yeah, Kulusevski. What an insane second half of the season. Um, yeah, best January signing. Oh, you speak more about him too, because it's very exciting, to be honest. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, 
Uh, Tottenham, obviously, we know, having Sonny on the left wing, Harry Kane striking. Uh, you had Lucas Mora starting on the right wing, which Lucas is a great squad player to have. Obviously, a difference maker. We've seen that before. Mm-hmm. You know, his Champions League heroics. Uh, last season, he had a pretty solid season. Um, but this year, he just needed some help on the wing. And uh, under Antonio Conte, we need someone that was able to get the ball to Harry Kane, get the ball to Sonny, and um, be able to track back as well and help out on the defensive side. So we bring in Dejan Kulisevsky, a guy that was somewhat of a reject um, from Juventus. You know, He's only young, but he just wasn't apparently um, in the eyes of Allegri to be part of their future. So Tottenham having Paratici and... Uh, Antonio Conte with the Italian connection, especially to Juventus, have their eyes set on him and bring him in at such a low price and just an insane ability to um, hold onto the ball, get past his defenders, and just some beautiful crosses into the box with his left foot. Just such a sweet left foot. Um, even the last game of the season, he gets assists. He gets a beautiful goal um, from close to the corner of the box. So just an impressive player and even... Uh, Loves walking around Buckingham Palace with his dog and running into fans like me. So, you know, uh, fun seeing him <laughs> in the wild like that when I was in London. But, uh, yeah, great player. Definitely excited to see what he can do for this Tottenham squad with the full season, hoping that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he gets 15 assists next season, 10 goals, 15 assists. That would be an incredible stat um, connecting with Sonny and Harry next season. But uh, a guy that was a former Tottenham player, uh, a guy that was dead last June, practically mm-hmm. uh, Christian Eriksen making his return with Brentford, I think deserves at least a shout um, for January coming in on for free uh, to Brentford. I think sort of salvaging, salvaging their uh, season, guaranteeing them safety. I think in the games that he started at one point, it was like nine games. They didn't even lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely making a big difference on their season um, coming off his January signing. Yeah. Um, I didn't think he was ever going to play again. And especially not at this high of a level. Um, I gotta be honest, I didn't watch much of Brentford um, <laughs> once once he was on the team. Not not, I just didn't watch much of Brentford at all, and just in general. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you just laid it out right there. He played a key role with one goal and four assists. Like that's that's some good production. He he is that assist guy, and doing it on a team that I don't think scores a ton of goals. And um, good for them. So we'll see. Was was it a long term? I don't think it was a long term deal. Was it just a season? Well, so that's the thing. It was only a six month contract, oh, and so yeah. he's now up to either resign with Brentford or he can make a return to Tottenham. Or mm. you could have teams. Um, I think the general consensus is that he wants to sort of be around London. Um, so he doesn't really want to leave the area. I think he enjoys living in London. So those two teams obviously are in the area and would be good fits for him, either making his return to Tottenham as they go to Champions League or just kind of honoring what Brentford did, giving a chance on him, and now being able to lead that team next season. But, yeah, I mean, those stats are good, but they don't, I don't reflect his creative ability on that right. team. I think his involvements were more than just, you know, the one goal and four assists. His Definitely. Uh, creative playmaking ability really is what set um, his time this past six months apart with Brentford. So, um, deserving of a shout, uh, but just like me, you also have a signing that you're pretty proud of up with Aston Villa, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I already mentioned him earlier, but it's Philippe Coutinho. Um, was it the third most expensive transfer ever in the history? At one point, at one point. Um, I think still is. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> Villa get him in on loan from Barcelona, which just saying that out loud, I'm just like, what in the world? Um, comes through with five goals and three assists and a lot of starting time. I mean, he played a lot for us, especially once he got up to speed. He was he was really good. Um, and he bought in. Like, I didn't expect him to play much defense or get involved like that. And uh, he didn't do it every game. But um, you can, you just see the world class in him, you know. Uh, I mean, he's finding his footing in a team that's middle of the tape, you know, middle of the pack, basically, um, with aspirations to go higher. So, um, yeah, we, we had to mention him, um, biasly or not. I think he, he was a great signing. And he's officially signed now, and I think it was for $20 million, which is a steal, and on 30% of his – wages that he was at at Barcelona. I don't know how they do it at, at Villa, but they keep getting these crazy deals done. Um, but yeah, Philip Coutinho, what a guy. And Stevie G, him and those two having that Liverpool connection. Hopefully mm-hmm. next season they can expand on that. And like you said, hope some aspirations to find their way, at least into some European football for the first time in a long time. Be great. Um, but there's uh, some players that we've talked about, uh, but now we'll talk about some matches of the season. I think to me, there's just two of them that really stick out. Um, we have the Liverpool-Manchester City matchup that was just, I think, an incredible one. That came, I think, in April. It was, we had, what, two or three Liverpool-Man City matchups in a short time frame. This one came in the Premier League, ended up like in a 2-2 draw, just sublime, um, especially in, at that time of the season. Those two teams fighting the, the Premier League title race, um, but finishing honors even on that one um and i think for me another one that really really stuck out i was even watching the highlights recently was the tottenham Manchester city match where uh tottenham gets up 1-0 early on the kulisevsky goal his uh i think first debut goal i believe and uh then yeah Manchester City comes back uh they get within uh one then tottenham scores it to make it 3-1 no they score 3-1 Goal gets called back. It's 2-1. And then Mares gets a penalty in the 91st minute. He sinks it, makes it 2-2. Harry Kane gets the 95th minute winner. And uh, Tottenham wins 3-2. Just an incredible match as well. Uh, those are the two games that stick out for me the most from this past Premier League season. I don't know if you had any, but uh, I don't. Just so Definitely. incredible to watch. Yeah, yeah. No, I've watched both of those. Those probably are the two best games of the season. Um yeah, we we already talked about that Liverpool Man City game. We were just like, if we could watch that every week, I mean, it'd be great. Yeah, again, go watch Super the League. Why don't we just do the Super League? We'll get it <laughs> no, done. No, no, not the Super League. So that's different. <laughs> it's very different, very different. Um, but yeah, both of those games are worth watching in full again. So go back and do that. I'm sure you can. Um, but yeah, and I think I think we'll move on to the goal of the season now, which you could probably find these highlights somewhere as well. Man, so many great goals this season. What great was the goals. one that stuck out to you the most? Um, recency bias, but Gundogan's goal to clinch the title. Um, like, if if he, you know, if they don't score that goal, they don't win the title. Liverpool takes yeah. it. Um, so just the the amount, the immense pressure that Man City was under. Um, he was also a substitute on the day. With I think he scored two of their goals, um, and the one to win it just. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, the drama, the uh, the, the storybook, you know, 
part of soccer. It's romantic. It's it's very romantic. So um, that one is great. But I mean, Salah's goal versus City in that two-two draw is it's just solid. It is, it, it, it's him, man. He's so good. And the fact that he's doing it against his direct opponent for the title and at the time, the FA cup, like, Oh gosh, I want to, I actually, I'll probably watch it after we get done with this. Cause it was so good. Yeah. Salah's individual effort was just crazy to see. He's did yeah. that like four years ago against Tottenham in the box. And I'm just like, it's insane. His footwork is yeah, like in those tight spaces. His control is like what I dream of. Like, mm-hmm. I can't keep a ball <laughs> at my feet at all. And I'm just like, how does he do it with world-class defenders in front of him? It's insane. Yeah. I, um, it, it's very insane. Do you, do you remember any other ones? Oh yeah. I've got a couple on my mind. I think about, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Ronaldo just having an absolute rocket against Tottenham um he had a hat trick on the day he had a ball from like 30 yards out he just blasts into the top corner that one sticks out uh i think in february maybe it was january uh mateo kovacic had a cool volley uh, and a big game against liverpool from like at the edge of the edge of the box just one time kind of like skipping a jump volleys Mm -hmm. it um that was good i remember that one I was at the match in January with Tottenham versus Chelsea and Hakeem Ziyech. It's, I mean, it was so good. Just like bends a ball. Literally, Lloris could have been perfect on a save, and he still had no chance. Just It was such an incredible goal. Um, and then sometime late in the winter, Damari Gray. This was such a fun game to watch. Uh, one of the few games that Everton actually did well in. Uh, he scores a banger late to beat Arsenal. I think it was like 3-2. to two. <laughs> um, which was just an awesome game to watch. So those are some of the ones that stick out to me. I know if you guys looked up Premier League goals this season, those would be in there for sure. But definitely, um, I mean, if I had a recency bias, it'd be Sonny's goals from winning the Golden Boot. Uh, he mm-hmm. had an amazing banger against Norwich. But uh, those other ones, I think, were just a bit more quality. Um, but his matter at the end of the day to get his Golden Boot. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um those are fun. I'm going to have to go watch a compilation <laughs> after this just to, to relive. Got some, got some EDM house music in the background. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, I'm sure NBC Sports has already posted something, so I'll, I'll go back. I'll go back and watch it. But we're going to move on to our last segment. And this is the team of the year, but it's with a twist. It's with a twist. We're not going to be boring like all the other commentators that you watch on TV where they only choose between Manchester City and Liverpool players. Looking at you, Gary Neville. Yeah, all you guys. Yes, you're right. Those are probably the best overall teams on paper, but we're going to switch it up today um, where we can only choose one player per team um, to fill our 4-3-3 Premier League team of the year. So this was actually sort of tough. Uh, we were going through, and tough. I will talk about it, but um, I guess we'll start with the manager. What do you think? Um, so I think if we're going to do the manager, I think we sort of talked about it in the manager of the year debate. I say we just throw Eddie Howe at the helm. We'll give him the reins. I think he deserves a shout there for manager of the season. So I'll give Eddie Howe the keys to the team. Um, I'll agree which, with you. Good. Okay, so we're on the same page so far. <laughs> I was just gonna say, I think Brendan Rodgers could be up there because they finished still pretty high, and they were just they were like quiet this year. But Brendan Rodgers is a great coach, um, finishing above Eddie Howe. 
and Bruno Lage from uh, Wolves. Um, so yeah, but I mean, I think Eddie Howe. We'll give it to him because we mentioned we mentioned uh, him earlier. So basically, we're gonna frame it as a four-three-three. I think the goalkeeper, the goalkeeper is, is the easy one to start nice. with. Um, sort of. Jose Sa for Wolves. I think he's a player that really kept Wolves in contention for most most of the season. Um, if we're gonna be doing one player from each team, I think he's the one that kept them around for a long time. Made some great saves. I think he had a good amount of clean sheets, but also had to had to make a lot of saves. So just high volume. Um, I think we could give him the keeper gloves um, in the back. Uh, it's hard to choose between him and Aaron Ramsdale if we can only have one per team. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we didn't have an Arsenal player in the field, um, I would give Ramsdale a shot as well. But um, Jose Saw, I think, deserves the goalkeeper of this season on this one. Right, yeah. So we have Newcastle represented at the manager position with Eddie Howe. Jose Saw, I think – He's probably deserving over Ramsdale. Ramsdale got a lot of hype, but I think that's just the English media hyping up an English player, to be honest. Um, and also, Saka could be in in this midfield if we really wanted him to. Um, so we'll go with Jose Saw for, for the goalkeeper um, position. I think that's definitely fair enough. Who would you uh, put at left back? Left back? You know, there's two that come to mind. Um it's uh, Mark Cucurella from Brighton, and that's who I'll give it to. Um, he was just a beast down, up and down the left flank for Brighton. Um, obviously, not a lot of people watch those games, but I've watched a couple of their games, and he is a player that stands out for them. Um, I don't know if it's because of his hair. It's not just because of his hair. People, all the English media keeps saying that, too. I'm like, what, do you, what does his hair have to do with it? He's a great player. <laughs> like He's very, very good. So... Um. Yeah, I'll give it to Mark Cucurella, but Tyreek Mitchell, an Englishman, who I think he just got his first call-up uh, last call-up cycle, whatever, uh, plays for Palace, also had a really good season, also young. Um, so he'll be one to look out for uh, in the future. And then we have the center back, center back position. Um, for me, I would put Antonio Rudiger here from Chelsea. I think that he had a really, really good season. Um, he did. And it's hard because Chelsea do have some good midfielders that we could potentially put in a center midfield position. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I would weigh him as being one of the better center backs of the Premier League. And I think better than some other options that are available. So for me, I'm going to put Rudiger here mm. from Chelsea as my Chelsea player. Um, you may not agree, but I feel like that's who I would put for the center back position on this one. Yeah, I I think he was very integral in their success this year. Um, yeah, he might have been their – I don't know if he's their best player. I don't know. Um, but it's definitely fair. I was going to put Kai Havertz or Mason Mount in the midfield. I, was, I think Mason Mount. Mason Mount ended with 11 goals and 10 assists. Very, very sneaky. Impressive. Very sneaky, very impressive 11 goals, 10 assists for Mason Mount. That's who I was going to pick in the in the midfield for one of our three midfield positions. So that's why I didn't put Antonio there. I'll explain my decision when we get to it of why who does make it instead. That's fair. So I I put Pontus Jansen from Brentford there. Um, I was looking up some st- statistics and he was always like in the top five 
and a lot of those like defensive stats, uh, which I was really surprised to see, to be honest. Um, he also used to play at Leeds. Um, just a fun fact. So um, really good defender. Um, I'm really ex- actually pretty excited to see where Brentford goes from this year. You know, if they have, you know, second season hangover um, or if they keep pushing up the table, um, they're, they're pretty fun to watch this year. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Pontus Janssen in the, that first center back position. The second one, though, um, I was having a hard time choosing between these two players. And it's James uh, Tarkowski from Burnley and Mohamed Salisu from Southampton. Um, I think Salisu was a was is normally like a, a left back, but they transitioned him to more of a center back role, and I think he he did really well. Again, statistically, did pretty well as well. I think I think um, I remember us talking about him a couple of weeks ago as well, talking about his yeah. performances. Yeah, yeah, he he played he played pretty well this year, um, but I'll give it to James Tarkowski, who. Um, you know, Burnley's going down. He's a Premier League player. He will be playing for a Premier League team next year. He's He was always way too good for Burnley. Um, so, and he'll be on a free as well. I actually just wow. read today. So, I'm sure there'll be a lot of teams coming in for him. Yeah, um, that's going to be tough to be Burnley. You would love to have seen him at least get bought for a couple million, but that's tough to see him have to walk out the door like that. Yeah, Burnley's business model maybe isn't the best. Um, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Pontus Janssen and James Tarkowski for me, I don't know how you feel about that. No, but... I think I feel good. I think Tarkowski I feel pretty good about. Um, the right back position I think we also may come to an agreement with as well. Um, I think we're going to slot in Matty Cash in from Villa as our right back. Uh, he, especially towards the end of the season, I think showed that He's up for those big moments, and with that goal, um, was it against Man City that he scored, or was mm. the game before he scored a goal? I think He's, he did score in the Man City game, this final game. Yeah, he scored a yeah. header. Um, so I think <clears throat> he showed his quality. Um, obviously, you could probably speak more to it, but for me, I think he slots in as we're on this model as our right back. Yeah, yeah, he he was really good. You know, he's really grown into this this right back role where he's bombing down the field, almost more like a, like a winger, like just playing so high up the pitch. Um, you know, his offensive output has grown to be better throughout the season. His defensive output has also gotten a lot better throughout the season. He's just becoming more well-rounded. He's a Polish international player now. Um, so, and he's also pretty young. So I think it, Matty Cash is probably, is probably a fair shot there. Um, and I think we just move right along to center defensive midfielder or holding midfielder. Which is a guy, for me personally, I hope doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope this guy sticks around with West Ham. Talk about Declan Rice. Uh, he had a great year. Um, his name is going around the transfer uh, rumors for easily $150 million probably at this point. No way. I think West Ham could let him go for less. But, yeah, he had a really solid year. West Ham at one point was flirting with the top four. They kind of really tailed off at the end there. Uh, they mm-hmm. were in a Europa League semifinal. They kind of, you know, fell short there as well. Uh, but really, West Ham, I think, overachieved. Not overachieved, but show what they're capable of this season. And Declan Definitely. Rice was a centerpiece of that for West Ham. Yeah, it's him or his counterpart, Thomas Suchek. Those two in the midfield are absolute beasts. They are so good. Um, they both can score goals. They both can create assists. Um, 
their minutes Jer- in the I mean, box. this is the same position, but Jared Bowen, those three with yeah. West Ham's midfield are really, really good. Yeah, Jared Bowen out on the wing. Like, this West Ham, I think they need a, a top striker. Um, but they they are really solid, man. And I think they'll be sitting up there for years to come, uh, especially with a with a really good coach in David Moyes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Declan Rice. Uh, but, yeah, Suchek is also worth a shout there. So this position, the center midfield position, is I think where I was differing from you. I think you had some Chelsea guys here. This is where I was going to throw in Bukayo Saka. Saka, uh, I think he had a solid season. He deserves at least a shot um, in that central midfield position. Maybe sort of a bit of a winger sometimes. Um, yeah, he but, play, we can. I put center mid there, but they, these guys they can play in the right, on the left. You know, center attacking, whatever it is. So, so I was gonna give him the shout there. Him or Connor Gallagher from Palace, um, those young guys I think deserve some recognition. And mm-hmm. for me, having Rudiger from Chelsea there, not going to give it to the guys that you might have given it to. Yeah, yeah. Kai Havertz, you know, has moved around a lot. I spent a lot of time sort of at this false nine role. Um, so if you want to call it, if that's a midfielder, if it's not, I don't know. Um, but he ended the year with eight goals, four assists. Pretty good for Kai. Um, he's also a really good player. But um, Mason Mount, like I said earlier, with 11 goals, uh, 10 assists, he has to be, he has to be in there for me. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Mason Mount for that for that f- f- second midfield position. <clears throat> and I think uh, the rest of them are uh, pretty undisputed. I think the three of them are the ones in the Player of the Year debate. So you had Kevin De Bruyne, no doubt about it. Uh, taking that central midfield position, uh, the Premier League Player of the Year, and our uh, honorary one, one of them at least. And then on the left wing, we had Hyungman Sun, uh, our undisputed Player of the Year. On the right wing, Mohamed Salah. And up top, maybe the one that could have surprised some people, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, mm-hmm. You feel pretty good about that? Yeah, I thought Cristiano Ronaldo was more important to Man U than David De Gea was. Um, again, that's very arguable. But... Um, I was just thinking, like, in this system, he was the best striker left um, in the league. So, and, you know, there's obviously other, some, some good goalkeepers. So that's why I put Cristiano over De Gea for a Man U player. Um, but, yeah, I think this team looks pretty good. Um, but, you know, it's sort of weird to, like, imagine, <laughs> like, people like, you chose that person for this? Well, well. Like we said, there's a twist on this whole thing. It's it's a little bit more. It's harder, right, to choose these players that you like. You can only choose one per team. So, um, yeah, what were you gonna ask? Could this team win the Premier League? Oh, uh, against the current against the current champions? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, they could maybe finish in the Europa League spot, though. Um, I don't know. I. I mean, okay, the top the top half of the field is absolutely phenomenal. That's like a yeah, best. I think I think the world could, eleven. That's <laughs> the thing. I think uh, I think you've had Tarkovsky and Rudiger as your center backs. You have a good shout. Yeah, good shot. That's uh, true. Matty Cash is solid. Yeah. And then yeah, if you have Cucurella, maybe. I mean, it. They could slide into the top four. Yeah, I Europa League top four. I, I think that's a good shout actually. Um, winning the league though. No. Nah, I don't. I no. I don't think so. At least, no, not for me. 
<laughs> but that's fun. That's a good. That's a good that's twist. That's a good. Uh, good look at the Premier League player of the players of the year in a twisted uh, kind of way. Um, but man, it felt good to be back. That's our Premier League roundup for the 2021-2022 season. Uh, arguably, probably one of the best Premier League seasons in history. Uh, mm-hmm. Not often do you get a chance for every team to have the chance to play for something on the last day of the season, and we got it. We came down to the last minutes, the last seconds of the season with things to play for, um, teams staying up that weren't supposed to stay up, teams that went down that weren't expecting to go down, and just an incredible title race. And, uh, you know, I feel pretty good going into next season as a Tottenham fan. I know Villa's got a bright future. Um, but we can't wait to now continue to press F5 on transfer rumors, refreshing, seeing what Fabrizio Romano's got up his sleeve. So here he goes. And, um, you know, what these chairmen and uh, teams can come up with on the transfer window. But we'll definitely keep you guys updated on that it here will. at The Bad Fan. Um, we're excited to talk and see uh, about a Premier League preview coming down the road, I'm sure. But um, today has been good to be back with you guys. And, uh, about wraps things up. Thank you for tuning in today, uh, taking the time to listen with us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please give it a thumbs up. It's free and it only takes a second of your time. And if you haven't already, please subscribe if you're not already a bad fan. Um, we're trying to grow the channel, get to 100 subs by the end of the summer. So if you want to help us get there, don't be afraid to share this video with a friend. And uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can get involved in the comments here. You can get involved in the comments on Instagram. Give it a follow there if you haven't already as well. Uh, find us on Twitter. We have some good content uh, tweeting along with live events, the latest news, all that on our Twitter account. And if you need to find your way to those places, you can find the link tree in the description below of this video to find your way to those channels. Well, thank you again for joining us, all of us here at The Bad Fan today with Brandon and I missing out on Steve. Steve, hope you feel better, buddy. And uh, we hope you guys have a great day. We will see you in the next one, and if you want to wait until then, we'll see you in the next Premier League season. Uh, But for today, it's going to be some peace out from Brandon and I. We'll see you in the next video.